as we get into this, I just want to mention that as we look at the news today, it is sad to see so much that is so shocking and in many ways scary. Read any paper, listen to any radio, watch any TV, and one is confronted with dismal events of all kinds. But worst of all to me is the attitudes and behaviors of the people. It leaves us asking the same question that has been asked for many years. And that question is, what in the world is happening? But it doesn't seem like this question is more worthy to be asked than now, than ever before, it seems. But I think that is especially true as, you know, Paul mentioned in in Romans that now his appearing is closer than ever before. I always like that verse and think, wow. (laughs) Paul said that his appearing is closer than ever before, and so what is it now? And I think that as we go along through what has been termed the last days, are we at the last of the last days? One thing is for sure, as we look around at a lot of things within this world, we can see that as the Scripture tells us, that there are already many antichrists in this world. And as we head along through life, we will see that as time becomes more short and more short for Satan, his efforts, I do believe, will be stepped up. And so, it isn't any wonder that as we look around, things appear so dismal. I heard a song, because I don't know how Marilyn got to this, but I think she was looking at something on Facebook, and somebody must have posted it there or something, but she had this song playing, and I haven't heard this in years either, and it's by the Judds. Do you remember, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days? Anybody remember that? (laughs) Tell me about the good old days. And as you go through that song, and it it talks about, did people really sit down together and pray? Did fathers really stay in the families and so on? And I thought, wow, when we think again about something that happened a while ago, this is quite the day and age in which we live. But it's exciting times as well. It's times when Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, can move in such mighty ways. I just read an article this week by Dr. Michael Brown, and if that name seems familiar, it's because he was a part of the Brownsville Revival, if you remember that. And his article is entitled, It's 2018 and Shame is Dead. And doesn't it seem like that? In his article, he mentioned a quote from Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist. And the quote is, it was around 1962 that the British revivalist Leonard Ravenhill wrote, 
The world has lost the power to blush over its vice. The church has lost her power to weep over it. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And I believe that Jeremiah was just like many of the other prophets. He had a great love for his people, for the nation. And because of that great love and the judgment that he had to pronounce upon it was going to be very difficult. And Jeremiah really didn't want to do it. And he just wept over the fact that his message was basically one thing. In fact, I remember when I was uh, taking Jeremiah in Bible college, the instructor told us that Jeremiah, I don't know how you would like to do this, Mike, but he said that Jeremiah played a one-string guitar. (laughs) I actually did hear somebody do that once. Have you ever? It's interesting, isn't it? And how they can, such sound they can get with one string, and I think, good grief, I've tried it with six, it doesn't work too well. But Jeremiah's one string was boing, boing, boing. Over and over, he told the people there was going to be invasion from the north. You're going to go into captivity, coming from the north, and north because that's the direction that the, the inroads into Jerusalem would be. Over and over, heard that one thing, and they would not repent. Given so many opportunities, their sin was great, and Jeremiah would weep. And so he was known as the weeping prophet, a part of which then we will look at today. One commentator summed up Jeremiah's ministry as proclaiming God's judgment against the people of Judah for their idolatry, their unfaithfulness to the covenant, and their obstinate disobedience of his will. That really does sum it up. And we can see it in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 16. And this is what God said that he was going to do. He said, I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. So that was the summing up of why he was bringing judgment. But their sins were so great and so many We have to understand that Jeremiah was ministering during the time of Josiah. And if you remember, Josiah came along and he began to correct some things within Judah. And he began to tear down some of the high places and some of these things. He did have a certain work of uh, that was great good. And this follows after one of the most wicked kings... Manasseh, to the point where he would see to it that there were many children that were sacrificed to idols and so on. It says about him that he shed blood from one end of Jerusalem to the other, and Jerusalem was filled with the blood of innocent people. 
He was a horrible, wicked person. Josiah comes along, and it must have seemed like, wow, isn't this wonderful? We have great revival going on. And yet, it is the Scripture says of how they would give lip service. They would say things with their mouth, speak things with their lips, but God said their heart is far from me. When we look at these things, we also compare verse 8 of chapter 2 with Ver, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. And verse 8 in chapter 2, this gives us a little bit of a picture, a little bit of a background on just what was going on. And it says, The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. The four ruling classes were living wickedly. Look at what it says. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? They weren't calling upon Him. They weren't seeking Him. Barnes' note tells us that the priest's offense was indifference. They were indifferent about what was going on. And then it says, and those who handle the law, many say this is the scribes, and the scribes took care of of all the legal and religious documents, and the scribes were responsible for copying the Scriptures and all those kinds of things. And they were the ones who knew the law very, very well. And yet, it says of them, those who handle the law, and this is very serious, did not know me. Isn't that an astounding thing? But it lets us know that there are so many people, even right now as we are in in church and worshiping, worship the Lord and listening to the Word of God and those things, there are those who can read the Word of God, know the Word of God, and not know Jesus Christ. That's one of the saddest things But it happens with so many people. Those that know the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. Some translations, King James... And some others say pastors, and there it's not pastors as we think as Pastor Jeremy and myself who pastored 40 years. It's not that kind of pastor. They were the kings and the princes. 
And they were pastors because they were shepherds of the people. They were to look out over the people and to take care of them. And really, they were the ones who were supposed to watch out also to make sure that things were being ruled under God. So while the priests showed indifference and the scribes, those that knew the law, didn't know God, here are these rulers who just kept on living in disobedience. And then the last group it mentions is the prophets who prophesied by Baal. So their offense is obvious they were worshiping Baal. So this is some of the background of what Jeremiah was called to minister to. This people who are being led astray in so many ways by all of these leaders. My purpose today really is the same as Dr. Brown's article. and It's just to encourage us to look inward at ourselves, look at our larger culture, and at what has become of America as a whole. What in the world is going on? What is going on are people that are forgetting God. And so this morning, I want us to look at Jeremiah chapter 2, starting at verse 9, and we'll read through verse 13. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coasts of Cyprus and see, send to Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there has been such a thing. And I want us to catch the tone in this, even though I may not be reading quite like the tone should be. Verse 11. Has a nation changed its God, which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory For what does not profit? God said, search it out. This this is uncomprehensible. Look to the east. Look to the, the west. Can you find any nation that are rejecting their gods even though they are not gods? But my people... My people have rejected me, God says. And he puts it in this way, but my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. And I was thinking this morning as we were singing those worship songs about all the different facets of who God is and what God does and what it means to us and what He wants to do in our lives. He's marvelous. Our God 
and all the things of His deliverance for us, His salvation, the healing, and all these different things that are available because of Jesus Christ went to a cross. He's our glory. And He says, my people have changed their glory. Have you ever seen such a thing? Do you know of any nation that gives up their gods? But look at our nation today. We are so afraid that we might offend somebody. That we won't even stand with God. Will we exchange our glory... And really, the glory of this nation is that it was founded upon Christian principles. But there are so many ready just to throw all of that out because they want to do their own thing. And they are willing to exchange a glory. God has blessed us so greatly. I'm so thankful for everything that God has done. And when we speak it, or when we even sing, God bless America. God has blessed us so greatly. What I don't know of any other nation outside of Israel that has been so blessed. <laughs> it just boggles the mind how really blessed we have been. And part of that is because that we have been a nation that wanted to follow after those godly principles. Because we have really been a nation that has been about sending out missionaries, touching other lives, other people around the world, and God continued to bless America. America has been one of the main and seems like sometimes one of the only nations who want to stand alongside Israel. And God said, I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. God has blessed this wonderful nation. And yet we see here these people that had such deliverance by God with a mighty hand and outstretched arm and leading them out of Egypt, out of that slavery. Watched over them and cared for them. Doing miracle after miracle. Crossing the Red Sea and drowning the Egyptian army. Somebody once said, that wasn't a, a big deal that they walked through the Red Sea. Because they said that it has been shown that there was just a little bit of water in it. Bigger miracle! He drowned all the Egyptians in a little bit of water. <laughs> and then he fed them in the wilderness. Gave them water in the desert. Defeated their enemies. Led them by day in the pillar of cloud. By night with the pillar of fire. All that He did. What glory! But now, they were willing to exchange that glory. And this isn't even one of my points yet. <laughs> 
For what does, uh, they exchange the glory, for what does not profit? Be astonished. This is, this is the tone. Be astonished about this. Be astonished, O heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. My people have committed two evils. I was reading some commentaries about this, and it was interesting because the commentaries, some of them, not all of them, but some of them mentioned the same thing, and that was the wicked. We would turn today the unbeliever. They only had one major sin. They didn't think anything about God. They just followed after idols and whatever they wanted to do. So really, one sin. But my people have committed two. And so this is what he says. My people have committed two evils. They, number one, they have forsaken me. They have forsaken me. And then he lets them know who he is. The fountain of living waters. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then, the second evil that they did, it says, and hewn themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. And the thinking that I found in uh, reading about this was not that they were trying to build a, a well or any of that kind of thing. What it was that many of them did was dug a hole in the ground and wait for rainwater to fill it up. Well, that lasts real well. And so, this is what God is comparing. As He's saying, they've committed two evils. They've forgotten Me, the fountain, that which springs up. They've forgotten Me, the fountain of living waters, that which is refreshing, that which is a supply, that which never runs out. All of those things, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've dug a hole in the ground waiting for some kind of water to come along and fill it up, and they're going to try to live off that. But it's a broken cistern, and broken doesn't just necessarily mean something that snapped or crumbled or whatever, but something that isn't working as it should. And there's no way that cistern is going to work as it should in supplying for them like God. And what is the broken cisterns? All the idols, all the different things that they were doing, other than depending upon God, they were trying to do it their own way and doing it by following after the same things that the wicked nations were doing. They gave up their glory, the fountain of living waters, so that they could follow after something that's broken. Something that can hold no water. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it says, Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. This is speaking of, as it says, as the Gentiles walked, or those who were outside of Christ. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. 
because of the hardening of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's what the broken wells are. How did this happen? How could they get to this point where they're forsaking God, the fountain of living waters? How did they get to this point? It isn't like one day everybody woke up and said, looked at their spouse and said, hey, let's forsake God today. And the spouse says, oh yeah, here's an idea. Let's go out and dig a hole in the ground and hope there's going to be water filling it so we won't be thirsty. You know, all this stuff. That's not what happened. Something happened. While we may not have all the answers just right here, as we would go through Jeremiah, we'd find a lot of it. But I want us just to look at uh, one verse here in Jeremiah 2, and it's verse 32. This is another one of those where you have to understand the astonishment again. And verse 32 says, Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? And as you, as you study about this, it, it seems as though the the young ladies would work a long time at saving up whatever coins they could get and then uh, exchange it for silver so that they could uh, purchase or have things made into the ornaments and things. What they were doing is putting together their attire that they would have so they were saving up for their wedding day. And so, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? And I think about all the efforts that a bride goes through on wedding day and so where they have all these different attendants just to be there to help her get ready for that big moment when she gets to march down the aisle and is presented there before everyone and the beauty of the bride and all of those things. And Wouldn't it be something... Have you ever been at a, at, at a wedding where the bride's coming down the aisle and they march her up to the front and then she goes, oh man, I still got my sweatshirt and blue jeans on. The answer to this is God is saying, man, can, you, can a virgin forget her ornaments? Or a bride her attire? All that that's been in her hopes and dreams and what she's looking forward to for the future? Can she forget about all of that? Yet, here we go again, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. My people have forgotten me days without number. Oh, but does it really matter a day here and a day there? Does that, does that really matter? It's not really going to be a big deal if I miss church now and again. It's not really a big deal, is it, if I 
You know, I'm busy. And I'm tired in the morning. I don't have time for devotion. And some people say, devotions, what's that? <laughs> you know, that's the time when people used to read their Bible and pray. You know, they called that devotion because they were devoted to God. That was a little attempt at sarcasm. I'm getting my humor from pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That was uncalled for. <laughs> but you see, this forgetting. Now, God isn't a big, meanie God sitting in the sky saying, boy, I hope you missed devotions today. Man, I want to let you have it. That's not what God is. It's not what He's like. But it does have an effect on our life. And what I've seen happen over a period of 40 years in ministry, and then you know, I grew up in the, in the church, and I think I really did grew, grow up in the church. It just Anytime the church doors are open, man, we were, we were there, and it seemed like to me as a kid, man, those doors are always open. Is always in church. So, in going through those things and having grown up in it, I did learn that there was an importance of being there. And community is very important. So much so that we're told in the Scriptures, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's important. And I need you. And I love going to Bible study on Wednesday night. And I get to hear everybody's comments. Things that they're learning in the Scriptures. Things that they saw and I go, hey, I never saw that before. To hear somebody else's take on what that means and what it has meant to them. So thank you to those of you that are sharing it. And while Pastor was gone, Penny did a great job of filling in and, and leading us along. And it is important for us to gather together. And it may not seem like much, and it's not us. You're not. Uh, Terrible sinner because you didn't make it to church some Sunday. But what I have found for many people is it has to do with an attitude of the heart. And that's the thing that'll get you. What's going on with the heart? And sometimes some people that fight something so much, it's because there's a heart problem. Oh yeah, but I can go out in the country and be with God and nature and everything is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with being in nature and spending that time with God. I, I love it in every morning that I can, except, you know, I'm not usually outside on our deck in 
January. But I like to make a cup of coffee. I tell people, I just tell in Cali recently about grabbing my cup of coffee, have a cup of coffee with God. He doesn't drink much of it. <clears throat> but I, I like to have a cup. And so I sit there with God and, and I read His Word and ask Him to let that Word speak to me. What do you have to, to show me today, God? It's, let me put it this way. If it doesn't hurt to miss in a day here and a day there, what do you think it would do for your marriage if you skipped a day here, day there? I'm not going to talk to my spouse today. It doesn't do well for that relationship. And it doesn't with us and God. And and then that's just what I'm trying to say. Because what happened was, they began to forget God. And then they began to forget Him days without number. And that's what can happen. And so, let's look at another passage of Scripture today, and that's in Hebrews chapter 4. Where the writer of the Hebrews gives us another little bit of a, a warning. Hebrews 4, 1 through 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we have we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. In the King James, it puts it in terms of how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And so what I'm saying this morning is, let us be sure that we take a little bit of of warning to understand that we need to be diligent. And that do as Jesus said, and he said, abide in me. Because there are dangers. And it comes upon us so easily. I remember one time when I was with a friend and they had a little place out on the lake. And I was out with my friend and we were grabbing a couple of inner tubes and going out and just sitting there in the inner tube and just relaxing in the sun. That was nice. And just sat there, but, you know, the waves just, oh yeah, this is the life. And so all of a sudden, I opened my eyes and I looked around me and said, how did I get out here? <laughs> Man, I got a paddle. <laughs> I got to get back. And, and that's what happens. Pretty soon you get a little bit lulled. 
And I've seen this, as I said, throughout my ministry of people who began to just miss a little of something here, a little something there. Pretty soon, it's like they closed their eyes and just drifting along. They didn't see the dangers, and all of a sudden, they're drifted out. The difference is that if we're not awakened by the Spirit to where we are, we can be in trouble. But so often what happens is when they've drifted and they've gotten so far, they don't come back. That's the real danger. And so this is what God was trying to warn them of, trying to get them to repent, and they never did. Throughout Jeremiah's ministry, they never repented. Instead, their hearts became harder. Now, I get to the sermon. Just going to go over some things real quick. Three things. Two evils, but there were three results of those two evils. Number one, there was a lacking of a sense of wrong. Look at Jeremiah 2, verse 35. So he tells them all these things, and their response is this. Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you. Because you say, I have not sinned. And I hear some today who... Talk about, oh, God is such a loving God. He would never allow anyone to go to hell. He wouldn't do that. But hell is a real place. Jesus talked about it. But they said, ah, We've got revival going on. Look at all that Josiah is doing. Man, things are changing. We got away with it. (laughs) Nothing's going to happen, and surely God's anger is turned away from us now. So it must be okay. God isn't going to judge, and therefore, since we got away with it, we must not have sinned after all. I have not sinned. God is merciful, full of grace, and so loving. And so we look at Romans, and and Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we sin so that grace may abound? No. And that's what happened with them. Because they forgotten God, days without number, and then they did these two evils of forgetting Him, the fountain of living water, and they began to dig all of these other uh, cisterns, broken cisterns that held no water. They had a lack of a sense of wrong. And I uh, take us to the second part. 
Jeremiah 3, 3. Therefore, the showers have been withheld, and there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. So the result was they had no sense of wrong. They were lacking that, and then that caused them to lack in a sense of shame. Such as the article that I mentioned from Dr. Brown. Have we forgotten how to blush? Goodness gracious, some of the stuff that goes on today and some of the things that, to be honest, and I should be, some of the things that I hear Christians say and some of the things I see, those who claim Christ, when I watch some of the things they do, makes me wonder... Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or are you forgetting God days without number? Because I'm astounded. Because the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more sensitive you are to things. I remember when I was dating my lovely wife. We met at Bible College. Trinity Bridal College, uh, Bible College. And uh, things were a little strict around there, and I had to ask for permission to date her, take her on a date. Had to go with the dean of students. But he, he really liked us because we always tried to abide by the rules, and there were some that didn't. So if I went and asked him, he'd say, sure. So we went on a date. We went 40 miles to the nearest we went to Bible College in North Dakota, folks, so it was a ways between things. So 40 miles, and went. part of what we did was we went to a mall and looked around and that kind of thing. We were in the mall, and as we were walking through the mall, I hadn't been off campus for some time. I was in chapel every day except Saturday. Twice on Wednesday, so we said Wednesday, but Wednesday night wasn't required, but I still went because they were the best. So I was around the teaching of the Word every day, preaching of the Word every day, all of these things around my brothers and sisters in Christ and nobody else, mostly, every day. And so here we are at the mall, and this lady walking by us is... I don't remember all of what she was doing except that she used the name of Jesus. She wasn't praying. That was a shock. Because I had been around nothing but that which is spiritual. And now this lady used my Lord's name in vain. And, I, and it actually, this is not a lie. It was like somebody took their fist and went boom, right in my gut. It, I felt the air go out of me. <gasps> How dare you use that holy name like that? That was my, kind of my thought. Only, I wasn't angry. I was hurt. Oh, God help me. 
somebody hurt like that today? Have we forgotten how to blush? Are we hurt? Do we realize that there is a lost and dying world? Does that bother us? Or are we forgetting God? Do we have a lack of a sense of wrong, a lack of a sense of shame? And the third one in verse 8. Then I saw that for all of the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet, her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. Judah had seen everything that happened to Israel, all their wickedness, all their They never had a decent king. Judah at least had one every once in a while. And Judah sees all of this thing, all these things, and, and watched Israel, the northern ten tribes, go into captivity by Assyria. And yet, she herself would not repent. No sense of wrong, no sense of shame. No sense of fear. That's what's happened to America. What in the world is happening? Forgetting God days without number. No sense of wrong. No sense of shame. No sense of fear. Help us, Lord, to search ourselves. How are we doing? Have we let some things go in our life? Let's get it back together. And then let us also do this. God also said about my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. And he said he would heal our land. God, as some have said, bless America again. And he will when we get back to him. The rest of chapter 3 begins to just tell us what to do. Return, backsliding Israel. Acknowledge your iniquity. Return, and I will bring you back to Zion. I will give you shepherds according to my heart. And here's the key. Verse 1 of chapter 4. If you will return over Israel, says the Lord, return to me, And if you will, put away your abominations out of my sight. Then you shall not be moved. I could have the worship team come. Just going to give you that time today to to reflect. How am I doing? Give ourselves a check. That's always a good thing. Remember to intercede on the behalf of our nation. And then also today, I don't know what your need is. We've already sang. And worship this morning, 
about all the things that God does in our life and can do and will do for us. And if you want prayer today, the elders that are here certainly wanting to pray with you.